0: Hey, everybody. Doing good? Good to see you all. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go to Colossians chapter 1. It's good to be back. Missed y'all last week. Um, Appreciate Darren filling in. I know he probably felt a little bit out of his element, but he brought a good word, and uh, those of you who are here, you know that. I I was able to listen to it live, the majority of it, while floating in an inner tube down the Guadalupe River. Um, at family camp, yeah, if that sounds relaxing, um, I came to discover that the Guadalupe River is a lot colder than the law should allow for, and uh so, if chattering teeth and your extremities turning blue for three hours sounds relaxing, then I was totally relaxed, but uh it was cold. I didn't know a body of water in Texas could be that cold. They say that it originates in uh, Canyon Lake, but I don't believe that at all because I was in a lake yesterday, and it felt like I was in a hot tub. There's got to be a glacier that's melting somewhere in Texas that is feeding that river because it was unbelievably cold. Uh, Did I tell you all it was cold? I'm telling you, (laughs) I don't like cold water. All right, Colossians... uh, Uh, chapter one we're continuing to look at some of these gospel truths today we're, we're looking at verse 21 and 22 of Colossians so let's all stand together and hear what the Lord is saying to us today Paul's writing to the Christians in the church in Colossae, and he says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the truth that is ours, for those who belong to you. God, who we are, what you have done. Lord, it's it's amazing. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see you. Lord, that we would find this morning the the satisfaction that our soul craves that can only be found in you. Lord, I do believe, as Casey was saying earlier, that there is a reason why every person is in here. Lord, I pray that for some, you have been looking forward to this day for a long time. For the freedom, God, it's going to be experienced. Lord, I just give you the credit and all the praise for it. Let it happen according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the message today is essentially going to be like a a group counseling session. You you get to kind of peek in on what... Uh, counseling would look like if, if I were doing it. What I mean by that is if you have anything that you're dealing with, whether it's a personal struggle, a struggle in your marriage or your family or, or whatever, and you've been thinking that it might be a good idea to go to counseling for it, like I said, if you come to counseling for me, this is probably a lot of what you are going to hear. Um, what we're going to be looking at today in this text are truths that if we can get this, I believe it would solve 90% of the problems that we tend to struggle with. This text is going to show us what the root issue is to the vast majority of issues and problems that we have in life and the, the remedy for it, how to address it. And when I say that this message is, is more like a big counseling session, don't take that to mean that I'm deviating from what I've been doing throughout this series that we've been in. It doesn't mean that I've been preaching the gospel for the last several weeks, but now I'm going to do some counseling, and then next week we're going to get back to the gospel again. No, I'm still preaching the gospel because I believe that it is the answer for every problem and every issue that we have in life. I mean, if you go to counseling from, go to get counseling from someone, and that counselor doesn't point you to the gospel, then I'm telling you right now, you have wasted your time. He may give you some good suggestions on how to manage your behavior, but I'm telling you right now, you're not cleaning anything up, you're just smearing the mess around more. Because the gospel is the only thing that gets down to the root issues and doesn't just merely deal with symptoms. If you come to me for counseling, you're going to hear the gospel because I've come to learn that for every issue that we struggle with in life, there is some aspect of who Jesus is, what he has done, who we are in him that addresses that head on. And let me just say this too. Don't think that after hearing the message today that uh, now that you've heard this, you don't have to go to any more counseling. Uh, I, I'm not preaching this so that everyone will be fixed and I'll have fewer counseling appointments. No, if you think you need counseling, go get it. I mean, it's a good thing. The, the best thing about counseling is not that you know, we just go there to try to find a, a solution to a problem. It's the face-to-face interaction and accountability and relationship that happens there. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. It's hard to bear one another's burdens if there isn't any relational interaction going on there. So by all means, seek counseling. Scripture says that it is wise to do so. But if there is something uh, specific that you are struggling with today, then uh, I'm going to tell you, pay close attention. ...to what the Holy Spirit may be saying to you in this today. And if you're not struggling with anything right now, uh, you pay attention too. Because unless you die within the next 30 minutes, you are going to struggle with something. I mean, it is inevitable, and so you'll need to, to know these truths and be able to remember them and, and come back to this. So, So let's look at this. In verse 21 here, there's three specific things that Paul mentions... One of them is the root problem with all of humanity, and the other two things are symptoms of that problem. He says, and although you were formerly alienated, alienated means shut off from relationship and intimacy. Of course, he's referring to being alienated from God, and that right there is the... problem with all of mankind, with all of humanity, every problem in the world today, every war, every act of abuse, every murder, every addiction, every act of greed, every betrayal, rejection, racism, crime, rebellion, right down to broken homes are the direct result of being alienated or cut off from God. I mean that was the consequence of Adam and Eve's first sin, and ever since then mankind has been trying everything that we can think of in in an attempt to fix that problem. And all of the Old Testament, from third chapter of Genesis all the way to the last book of, of Malachi, is essentially about man's failed attempts. At fixing the problem and there were some big things that came around that seemed like they they, they probably would work like Noah who came along and, and it just seemed like a big do-over is what we need let's just wipe everybody out and start over with this one faithful family and that will fix everything but things just continued to get as worse as they were before so a big do-over wasn't the answer and then Abraham comes along and it seems like well-being belonging to the right race of people maybe that's going to do it a one race out of all the other ones in the world that God chooses for himself and sets apart and calls his own if you can be born into that race well then that would solve the problem but no the right race wasn't uh, the answer to the problem either and then Moses comes along and now there's some real hope because now we've got something tangible Ten simple commands written in stone. No more guessing how to solve it. No more trying to figure out our own. We've got it right here in front of us. How simple could it be? But the law couldn't do it either. In fact, the only reason God gave us the law was to show us that we didn't have an obedience problem. We had a heart problem. And it was a heart problem that was caused by being cut off, alienated from relationship with God. See, God created every one of us in such a way that in order for us to find complete and total satisfaction in life, it can only, only be found in relationship with Him. You and I were wired for relationship with God the Father. And if that's the only way we're going to find complete satisfaction, then being cut off from him means that we are going to constantly live with this inherent frustration. Because it is very frustrating when you can't get no satisfaction, right? I mean, Mick Jagger knows. Just ask him. Cue the guitars. Dun, 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 dun. No, I won't do that. That's going kind to of stuck in your mind there. But it is true. I mean, you can't get no satisfaction in the world unless... You find it in relationship with God because we weren't wired to find it in anything other than him. And so what do you think frustration leads to? Well, Paul tells us what the very next thing in the text, a hostile mind. We get angry. Frustration leads to anger and hostility. And then what does that lead to? Being engaged in evil deeds. Alienation from God produces a hostile mind, which leads to us... Committing evil deeds, all the evil deeds, all the sin that we commit is just a direct result of being cut off from relationship with God. So verse 21 is the problem and the symptoms of the problem. And in verse 22 is the only remedy for it. He says, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. Reconciled means to bring into agreement or harmony, to restore Jesus' death on the cross made it possible for us to no longer be Alienated from God, but to be restored to relationship with Him. We talked about this two weeks ago how, when Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 14, when He said, I go to prepare a place for you, He was not talking about going to heaven to prepare a big old house for us to live in. He was talking about going to the cross in order to prepare a place in relationship with the Father. The cross addressed a root problem with all of mankind. And once the root is addressed, well, then the symptoms just take care of themselves. When you come into relationship with God through Jesus, you find the satisfaction that your soul has been craving. And then once that happens, the hostile mind that you had as a result of that frustration. From from not getting that satisfaction, well, it's gone. It, it just dissipates. Your hostile mind is replaced with a peaceful mind, and a peaceful mind and a satisfied soul then just naturally results in good deeds rather than evil deeds. Did you know that good deeds that come from the heart really aren't something that need to be commanded? You don't have to command someone to do good deeds in order for them to do them. When the mind and the heart are completely satisfied in what they were created to be satisfied in, those good deeds just flow naturally. When Galatians 5.23 describes the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, it then says... Against such things there is no law, meaning you can't command these things. You can't command someone to just produce the fruit of the Spirit and it just happen. These are symptoms of a satisfied soul in relationship with the Father. But I know that some of you have probably got to be thinking that, well, I know that I've been made right with God through Jesus. I believe that. I have that, but I'm still engaged in evil deeds. I'm still struggling in my marriage. I'm still struggling with an addiction. And this is where we can get off and think that something other than the gospel is the answer that we need to find. We'll think if Jesus is the answer and I have Jesus, but I still have all these other issues, then maybe something else in addition to Jesus is what I need? no, the answer is still Jesus. The answer is still the gospel here 's what I believe is going on. We used to raise dairy goats at my house, and I believe I shared this story before, but it is, it is such a good picture of of where we 're going here in this text. We had these dairy goats, and when we lived different place than we do now. And when we moved to the place that we do live now, we were bringing our goats with us, but our new place didn't have any fence anywhere around the property. Uh, if you're going to have goats, you've got to keep them pinned in because they're just going to go wherever they want to go and you can't stop them. And so in order, uh, until I got that permanent fence built, I had to put my goats in a, just a temporary enclosure just long enough to keep them there until I could get the big fence built. And so they had this one stall of the barn and then they had this enclosure that probably was about half the size of this stage here that three goats stayed in and it took me at least three months to be able to finally build that permanent fence and when I did instead of having this little area for them I enclosed about two acres for them to have access to and so they had plenty of room for three goats to do whatever goats wanted or were created to do they had all the brows they could possibly imagine and so when the time came and I finally finished that fence and it was time for me to tear that temporary fence down I just knew that they were gonna bust over there and just jump around and frolic and play and thank me so much for all this freedom that I just made available to them but as soon as I took that old fence down they didn't move they just stood there just stood there going where'd the fence go it wasn't there anymore And it took them nearly two weeks to finally cross the line where that temporary fence had been and enjoy their new freedom. And the reason for that is because goats are very much creatures of habit and routine. They feel safe with what's familiar to them, much like humans. And even after they did start venturing out into their new territory, they always came back and spent the vast majority of their time in that old place rather than out in their new place. They would go past that old barrier for short periods of time but then come right back to to basically what I had set them free from. That is a great picture of how many people today are living their life in Christ. We live for so long alienated from God. We live for so long with a hostile mind and so long engaged in evil deeds that we know that kind of life better than we know life without all that. When Jesus comes into our lives... He removed the barrier, the fence that kept us alienated. And he's given us the opportunity now to come into a much higher and freer way of living than we could even realize. And for once in a while, I mean, we will venture out into that spirit-led freedom. But pretty soon, we're right back into the same old habits as before. And here's how or why I believe we do that. I believe it happens most when we believe the lie that anything other than God is what satisfies. Anything other than God satisfies. It's the same lie that caused mankind to be alienated from God in the first place. The same lie Adam and Eve believed which led to them eating of the forbidden fruit. When we try to satisfy ourselves with anything other than God's goodness, we jump right back into that pattern of life that we were set free from. Five verses earlier in Colossians 1, it says in verse 17 that all things have been created through him and for him. God created everything so that our enjoyment of those things would not terminate on those things, but so that those things would point us to something beyond, something much greater than just those things themselves. The things that are created are there to point us to the Creator. And when our enjoyment of those created things are terminated on or, or ends with or tries to be satisfied just in those things, then that's what we're doing. We're looking to those things for our ultimate satisfaction. Having things, having possessions, having things around us is not evil at all. What is evil is when we're trying to find our satisfaction in our things and in our stuff. Instead of those things being created by God and for God, we tend to treat them as if they were created by us and for us. And we desire less of God and more of God's stuff. Our things become a problem when we don't view them through the lens that we should be seeing them through. And the way we should see them is that those things exist in order to point us to God, they exist in order to lead us to worship. Even the smallest of things. I mean, for example, food should ultimately lead us to worship. It should point us past itself and to the one who has given it to us. But when we look to food for our satisfaction, i.e. comfort food, that's when it becomes something other than what God intended it for. And it leads to all sorts of things like eating disorders and and things of the like. Money should lead us not to hoarding it and holding on to it as tight as we can with white knuckles or not spending it all in order to satisfy us, i.e. therapy shopping. But it should lead us to worship it, but should point us beyond itself to the one who has given it to us. I mean, if you enjoy a glass of wine... That also should lead you to worship, not to overindulgence and drunkenness. Even marriage exists to lead us to worship. It's there to point us to Jesus. For those of you who are married, God did not give you your spouse in order for your spouse to satisfy all your needs. Spiritual Emotional, physical, relational, whatever. And if you are looking to and expecting your spouse to completely satisfy all of those needs, then that just sets them up for failure and you up for incredible frustration in life because they can't do it. They're not supposed to do it. Only God satisfies completely. Only he meets all of our needs. And when we don't look to God for our complete satisfaction, we will always look for it in something else. And what inevitably happens is that we find that those things don't satisfy. Most of the problems in our lives stem from the fact that we chase after things that won't satisfy, can't satisfy, and will never satisfy. And then the lie that we have bought into, which perfectly describes our culture today is more of what doesn't satisfy just might satisfy. More of what doesn't work, well, that just might work this time. And that's how you end up with addictions and codependent relationships. When we can't get from the created the satisfaction we crave, we get frustrated, we get hostile in mind, And someone has to be blamed for that. And that's when the finger-pointing starts. Many couples end up in counseling because one or both are frustrated. They're hostile in mind towards the other because the other is not able to satisfy them the way that they are expecting them to. Your spouse not only wasn't given to you to satisfy all your needs and desires, they also weren't given to you in order to fix all of your issues. Your spouse was given by God because he knew that he or she was the perfect tool in his infinite wisdom to use in order to mold you more into the image of Christ. Your spouse is there. One of the main reasons is so that you can more closely see your own imperfections. And in doing so, not be reminded of how horrible a person you are, but be reminded of how desperately you need a savior every day and your spouse is not him your spouse doesn't exist to make you happy but to, to point you something beyond mere happiness to point you to Jesus many a preacher has become the blame for someone trying to find satisfaction in From something other than God. And experiencing the frustration from that. And when they become frustrated. And feel spiritually dry because of it. They'll say well it's the preacher's fault. I just don't feel like I'm getting fed anymore. I'm telling you the preacher probably doesn't have anything to do with it at all. You're just looking for someone to blame for your own frustration. Listen church. Look at me. If any of you are looking to me or Danny or Casey or Darren or anyone to meet any spiritual need that you think you have. I'm begging you right now, please stop. Stop now. First of all, we're not that good. Second of all, that holds us to an expectation that both of us are going to get hurt over because we're not going to be able to meet that. Listen, my job, Danny's job, Casey's job, Darren's job, contrary to the belief of our culture, our job is not to satisfy you. Our marketing uh, consumer mentality says that our job is not to satisfy you you. My goal is not even to satisfy you. My job and my goal is to point you to the only one who satisfies. And then, of course, a hostile mind born from frustration over not finding satisfaction leads to evil deeds. And this is how Christians can still sin, can still struggle with marriage, can still be addicted, even though Jesus came to address our root problem. It's when we act out in response to the frustrations that we have. and We don't look to Jesus for our satisfaction. Some of you in here, you know that you've made some pretty poor decisions in life, which has resulted in some pretty big failures. You've acted out to the frustration and the pain that you experienced for something that may have happened years ago. Maybe it's your parents who are to blame Maybe you really did endure something horrific through abuse or abandonment or or whatever. And I don't want to lessen the seriousness of that or make it sound like I'm treating that lightly in any way. I'm not. Your pain may very well have been caused by your parents. That is on them. But your response to that pain is not on your parents. That is on you. How you respond to that pain that they caused, that's on you. And how you choose to respond to that can either lead you into more hostility and evil deeds, or it can lead you to Jesus. It can lead you to stay within that temporary enclosure or lead you into the freedom that Jesus purchased for you. Some of you, regardless of who caused it may not be your parents maybe it's an ex spouse or or somebody else that you're still walking in anger and bitterness and unforgiveness towards because you just don't want to let that go you're like the goats who refuse to go past where the fence was because that anger and that hatred is what you know it makes you warm makes you warm. You try to act like it doesn't affect your actions or affect those around you, but you know it does. And now you're going around the cul-de-sac of stupidity thinking more of what doesn't satisfy just might satisfy. You think that that unforgiveness is satisfying because whoever it's against, whoever you're holding that for doesn't deserve that. But the truth is, it's eating you up from the inside out like a slow-growing cancer. Jesus wants to set you free from that. The reason why so many are still stuck in all this is because the religious attitude of especially this part of the country tends to cause us to spend most of our focus on just the evil deeds We spend so much time trying to address and manage our evil deeds that we completely ignore the root problem. We're just mowing over weeds that keep popping up. Maybe it's no coincidence that evil deeds and evil weeds sound so much alike because they act so much alike. You just keep addressing them without addressing the root, and they're just going to keep popping up every time. And we think that just managing our bad behavior is the answer and we know it at least looks good on the outside just like mowing over all the bahia in my yard will make it look good for a day or two but it's going to keep coming right back up about three days later or less because the root is still there. And so we think, if I can just quit drinking, if I could just quit looking at porn, if I could just quit fighting with my spouse, then life would be fixed. The problem would be solved. But no, those are just symptoms of the real problem. And more than likely, the root problem is the fact that you've been believing that something other than God is what satisfies. And that's what you've been chasing after and expecting it. To fulfill you. Before I quit, we've got to look at the last part of verse 22. This is the good news. It says, he has reconciled you. He has solved the root problem in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Listen to that again. To present you, not the person over here that you know is this spiritual giant, not somebody in professional ministry, but present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. This is what you are in Christ. This is who he has made you. You may not feel like that. Lord knows you don't act like that all the time. But that's how God sees you. And it's because it's not because of you and what you do. It's because of him and what he did And folks, this is what we have to keep reminding ourselves of every day. If you're in Christ, you were verse 21, but now you're verse 22. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. The fence has been removed. And the more that we keep reminding ourselves of this every day, the more we'll actually start believing it. And then the more we believe it, the more our lives will begin to reflect that. And and we'll just start doing according to who we are. This is the venturing out into the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us. This is what's on the other side of that line that uh, of the fence that he removed. I'm telling you right now, some of you, you just quit going back or staying in what you knew for so long, what you think is so comforting, what you think is your safe place, because it's not Jesus is calling you out to a better, to a higher way of living. A completely more satisfying way of life. Let go of whatever it is that you've been holding to. Stop chasing after those things that you think is where you'll find your satisfaction. Jesus is the answer. I know that has become cliche in our religious culture. And it makes me sick that it has because it's true. It's more than a cliche. Jesus is the answer, not just for salvation, not just so that you can miss hell and get heaven. He's the answer for everything in life. We need Him every day, and He's here right now. He's here among us right now, making Himself available revealing himself to some of you in here right now, saying, you don't have to live that way any longer. I've got something better. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are right here. Lord, your Holy Spirit is thick in this place right now, God, and I know that there are those that you are drawing to you right now, calling them out of that captivity and into freedom. Lord, I pray for those that you may be opening their eyes to the fact that, Lord, they have been alienated from you. God, that you would show them that there is a remedy for that. Only one remedy, and his name is Jesus. Lord, for those that are just stuck in this pattern of old habits and sinful lifestyle, Lord, I pray that they would see that there's something better that you would open their eyes and let them realize the things that they have been looking to for their satisfaction and they would turn from that and turn directly to you which is the definition of repentance Lord I've done all that I can do in here I pray that you would come and do what only you can do which is to change hearts which is to renew minds Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I know there are some of you in here that God is speaking directly to, something that he is bringing to you to mind. There's something in here that you're saying, that's me, that you can relate to. If that is, I want to encourage you. I want to ask you to come and, and ask for one of these leaders on the front row or somebody that you know around you there to pray with you. Because listen, folks, God doesn't Reveal these things to us and to go, good luck with that. And I'm, I'm here if you need me. One of the biggest ways that he is here with you is through one another. He calls us to walk through these things together, not on our own. Not on our own. And so I want to ask you, if there's something that's connecting with you here, go to somebody here on the front, somebody here, and share that with them. Ask them to pray with you in that. Maybe there's some of you in here today, you realize that your whole life you have been alienated from God. You thought you were saved because you've been going through the religious motions. You know all the religious lingo, but that life in you is not there. You know something has been wrong, and maybe the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes what the issue is this morning. That can all change just like that if you would respond to him. Praise team's gonna play. We're all gonna worship together. And during that time, if there's anything that he's leading you to you to do, you respond to him. Let's all stand and worship him.